Welcome back to the Gentle Counselor podcast. My name is Crystal and I provide online resources to support the mental health and well-being of parents and children. For those of you listening to this episode right now, this episode is going to be a little bit different to what is typically on the Gentle Counselor podcast and that is because back in October we had World Mental Health Day and I had some lovely friends come together as guest speakers in a private group called the Aussie Mums Mental Health Virtual Event. So the format of the episodes are going to be a little bit different, but you're going to hear back the replay of my interview with the amazing speakers on a variety of topics. So stay tuned for these episodes because they're packed full of goodness. Hello. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. So he's asleep now, which is good. Now yes, and I'm room. hiding out in Amelia's room. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so funny how we have to like navigate all these other areas of our lives. It's not. Yeah. It's not as simple as true to motherhood, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so it much is. for coming That's on today right. to talk to us. So, <clears throat> For those of you watching, uh, Chrissy's going to be talking to us about how we can reduce overwhelm with fussy eaters. Now, this is like her area of expertise. And if you don't know yeah. um, about Chrissy, she's uh, her handle is her nourished on Instagram, her full stop nourished. And she is on a mission to empower mothers to navigate mealtime with confidence. Um, she's a qualified expert in family nutrition and psychology. So she knows what she's talking about. She's also a published Mm -hmm. author. She's a content creator, podcaster. She's also on YouTube. Um, And yeah, she's a mum of three. Possibly the most important part, isn't it? Yeah, I know. It's like (laughs) right there in the trenches with you. (laughs) Yeah. But I love that you're all about fostering a healthy relationship with food as well, because I think that's something that's really important. And as adults, we can see how that could have negatively impacted us. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, let's talk about it. So um, what are some of the most common struggles that mothers bring to you when it comes to mealtimes? Oh, there's, I think the common thread is definitely just that fussiness that comes up. Um, and fussiness is a really tricky term because we, on one hand, we do have clinical picky eating that can come up and does require that um, multidisciplinary support. But a lot of what mums come to me and describe is behavior that Mm -hmm. is intercepting very common or normal childhood development. And I think that's where it can be so tricky because, um, so many of what like so much of what we see when it comes to picky eating or fussy eating is kind of what we expect in those early years as well and rather than changing your child or changing your child showing up at meal times it's about having tools so that when these things do come up because they're highly likely going to um you feel less overwhelmed and you have some idea of what you might be able to do to support your little one through mm-hmm. that um rather than trying to change them because yeah like i said even myself in this space i have my head in the research i am constantly speaking to families um but my kids are still demonstrating a lot of these behaviors mm-hmm. yeah. um but yeah it's it's about going with it i guess with those the the tools in your toolbox so that you don't feel overwhelmed and you feel like you're approaching it um, in the best possible way. So, yeah, I think that's probably the big one. Um, 
I think, yeah, in, t- yeah. in terms of why they're hard, yeah, I think it's definitely that. Um, some of the things that we are intersecting when it comes to child development are things like short attention span. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's one of those things that children don't develop until later. And, and meal times that are highly sensory, they require so much focus yeah. from your little ones. They just don't have the capacity to do it. Um, also, and this I think a lot of families see this when their kids transition from a high chair to a normal chair and they're mm-hmm. getting up and down and yes. up and down. <laughs> we, um, we go through this at the moment with my two-year-old. But we've yeah. never we've never been faced with it because we get it. We're like, as long as he eats it, I don't care if he goes off yeah. the place and then comes back. And sometimes it's simply that knowing that yeah. it's common. Like it's it's a normal part of their development. I think sometimes when you know that you can kind of take a step back and it, it, I don't know, like it reduces your worry as Mm. well. Um, The other thing that we see come up is independence, the want and the need Mm. for independence for particularly toddlers um, who are notorious for this fussy eating (laughs) behavior. Um, But this, again, like there's so little um, choice that children have in their Mm. day and mealtimes is one thing along with sleep that we can't force them. Mm. Um, You know, they actually have full control over whether they choose to swallow food or not. So it's another reason why I think we see this as challenging sometimes. Um, And another thing that's really interesting, and I don't think this is spoken about quite often enough, and that is the innate preference for sweet foods Mm. and the innate avoidance of bitter foods. And unfortunately for us, those bitter foods fall into, um, sorry, vegetables fall into the bitter category. So (laughs) we see children refusing um, bitter foods, vegetables, and this likely, you know, previously may have served them positively. Mm. So, you know, if they were foraging for food and they came across something bitter, um, what the hypothesis is is that was, that was actually protective for them. Right. Now for parents, it's just frustrating. Yeah. So <laughs> I think when we understand yeah. that, we can then go, okay, well, this is a bit of food. How can we pair it better? Um, how can we serve it in a different mm. way to um, yeah, support their natural innate preference for sweet? Yeah. Yeah. So I love how that you would be the about, big... um, like preparing it in a different way. Because even between my two children, as simple as strawberries and the way I cut them, my two-year-old won't eat them if I cut them yeah. the same way I do for my daughter. And just by having that even tiny little change, like yeah. it was as simple as that. Or we forget, like as if us as adults are going to eat yeah. a meal that doesn't taste good to us. So we also exactly. have to understand how our children are like that as well. Absolutely. And even things like, you know, fruit's actually a really good example of this, particularly things like blueberries, because it's really inconsistent. You know, if you get a punnet of blueberries, you can get ones that are incredibly sour Mm. and bitter, and then you can get ones that are really super sweet. And you can see from this simple example how it's really challenging for kids to go, well, do I like it? I don't know. I've had like a positive experience and then I've had a bitter experience. I don't know. Like I'm going to put that in the I don't know category. So you can see how some of these behaviors come up as well. Such a good point. I think I saw that visual of the blueberries and then even like whether it's firm or squishy and then that's where like that yeah. sensory really comes into it, especially for like tactile children. Absolutely. And absolutely. Yeah, I'm even like that with blueberries. I'm really picky about exactly. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, and another thing I think that comes up for parents as to why they find mealtime so hard is we're doing it so often it's so obvious for us when it feels hard Um, I did a quick maths before and just three meals and two snacks a day which I think anyone who has toddlers knows that's not the you know you do a lot more of that Um, but that's 
1,825 meals a year. So Mm -hmm. it's so heightened, it's so highlighted for us. And when it feels hard, it feels really hard Mm -hmm. because we're constantly doing it. You know, we're doing it over and over and over and over again. Um, So, and our natural tendency is to focus on the, you know, the times when it feels really hard as well. So I think that's another reason why it comes up as a real challenge is because you don't get a break from it. It's not like you can just go, okay, well, I'm done with this. (laughs) I'm done today. Um, You you have to keep going. And and I think that's a really tricky thing as well. Yeah, you're right. Like, it's not a choice. Like, the kids have to eat. And so if we are struggling (laughs) with fussy eaters, what are some of your tips for getting them to eat more nutritious meals or, like, try new things? Absolutely. Look, my number one tip, and I think this has such a flow on effect to other areas of, um, you know, family life, social skills, but that's family meals. And the research, I know a lot of a lot of families hear this and they go, but this, this isn't realistic for me. I, I work, I have daycare, you know, our lives are so full. Um, but the research really supports as little as three family meals per week to mm-hmm. see those positive benefits. And I think that that's achievable for most families because like I said, you've got so many opportunities to eat during the day. If you have, um, you know, where you work most of the time or you have daycare, um, maybe it's the weekend, maybe it's the weekend where you fit in those family meals. But the reason why family meals are so important and helpful is that um, you're you're socially modeling to your child. Mm -hmm. So they're seeing you eat. They are seeing that it is a safe food for them to eat. Um, You're also modeling behaviors like sitting at the table and not getting up and down. Um, You're modeling how to use cutlery. You're modeling um, different types of food and what to do with them because our kids are still so new to mealtimes as well. Yeah, yeah, so that's definitely... We can't expect them to want to eat the same food or, you know, more nutritious foods or try new things if we're not role modeling that for them. And I know where we're like... Mm, yummy this is delicious our kids are always more susceptible to them trying it and then they go oh yeah mm, good just because we're there exactly. <laughs> that behavior for them exactly um the other one is just consistent exposure because the yeah. more often we um are offering i can hear feedback as well if you can yeah, hear that I'm too <laughs> it's hard to concentrate yeah it? sorry um, but yeah now and of course my neighbor's yep, uh, mowing his lawn so i'm like oh man oh no <laughs> But consistent exposure is really key. And um, what we know from research is I think, um, you know, the numbers 10 to 20 exposures before a child will accept a new food comes up. But what we see in reality is a little bit longer than this. And also in real time, because when you say to a parent, you know, it could take 10 to 20 exposures of a new food before a child accepts it. Um, what that means in real time is, you know, a good month of consistently yeah. offering a food as it comes up in your natural meal times. You don't need to go out and, you know, make an extra effort to buy things if that's not something you have as a family. Mm. But if it's something you eat as a family and you want your child to have it as part of their meals because you are having it as well, then consistency is key. You really need to keep offering it at every single meal opportunity um, alongside eating it yourself and modeling mm. as well. Um, you know, an example I can provide is my littlest Leo took almost close to a year um, of me consistently offering cucumber, which is something that my other kids enjoy before he actually accepted it. And like you said earlier, it was offering it in different shapes, different 
you know, preparing it in different ways. Um, but yeah, offering consistently is definitely key. Um, and then the next thing is serving safe foods alongside accepted mm. foods. So something I really recommend all families do is meeting your child where they're at rather than trying to get them to where you want them to be. Um, what the tricky thing about family or about meal times for kids is it is slow it's slow process mm -hmm. like slow progress um but if you can write a list so simply write out what are the foods my child is currently accepting what are the foods they're okay with on their plate but they're not eating so they're not avoiding but they're just not they're not keen to pick up or try and every single meal aim to have a safe food for them which is part of their accepted list and a new food and by doing that you're um, taking away the pressure for them to try a new food particularly if it's you know for example blueberries where they're sour um, if they've always got a food where they're like yep okay this is safe I know it I accept it um, they're going to approach that new food much mm. more easily yeah um, it's all about the... reducing stress not just for us but for them as well because we don't want them to learn that mealtime is stressful or that it's challenging Absolutely. especially if it's like yeah. dinner which is the end of the day yeah. and we're all a bit over it by that stage and dinner that's the final tip I think you know dinner is often the most challenging meal mm. for most families and often this is because your kids are tired you're tired um you know it's the end of the day everyone's just at the end of yeah. their the end of their tether um so what I really suggest and this has been a really successful strategy for our families but preloading the more successful meals so if you know ahead of time that dinner is a really tough meal every single night you're finding it really challenging then preload those earlier meals because then you as a parent go into those later meals and you feel less stressed you feel less worried about it if they refuse if you know okay well breakfast I added you know a side of veggies or I put some zucchini in the yeah. oats which is my favorite or I made a smoothie somewhere along the day or you know afternoon tea even afternoon tea we served some um, veggies and some dinner like food because then when they refuse it you go okay I've thought of the day as a whole it's not so bad I'm yeah. doing okay which you are yeah such a good way to put it we can't just yeah treat it like we've failed just based on one meal we need yeah. to look at like what the overall day or even like the overall week looks like for them. absolutely absolutely and for kids this can change so often just like adults you know our hunger yeah. changes depending on what we do in a day so it's really common to see this for kids as well mm definitely yeah. um I that yeah I love when I followed you and like all of this started clicking into place and then you just made a comment before about um like keep it to what you're going to eat anyway like just because yeah. the new trend or whatever new recipe yeah. is other different food that you've never eaten before we don't necessarily need to worry about making sure our kids eating every single food that is available like it's okay yeah and this is to what you know yeah, this is a big one that I see is the pressure parents mm. feel, um, whether it's from family, friends, social media, nurses, you know, health nurses when they're doing the checks. Um, and a lot of that pressure is either weight-based or the health, the wellness-based, mm. you know, I don't, like the pressures of serving certain foods when for some families it's not financially viable, yeah. for some families it's... The, the kids aren't there right now. And like I said, you really want to meet your kids where they're at and you can have your goal over here um, and you slowly move towards it. And it's, yeah, I think it's really important just to be kind and gentle on yourself at mm. mealtimes um, and as much as you can block out that noise and pressure from others because it is going to come up. Yeah. Um, but your child is your child and they're on their own little journey. 
um, you can't put them in someone else's shoes and say, mm. well, they should be here. Yeah. They, you know, like it's, it's their own path. And like you said, we all change. Like I even reflect on what I didn't like as a child that I'll happily eat now and I won't care about it really. Like I don't think about it anymore. But when I'm Absolutely. talking to my daughter about it, who's four, I started using the language of yet. So when she's like, oh, I don't like tomatoes, I'll just say, oh, yeah, that's okay. You don't like tomatoes yeah. yet. And I'll even share yeah. with her, like, yeah, when I was your age, I didn't like them either. And now I really like them. Yeah. Because I think it's important yeah. to also have that understanding that they will change as they get older. And that's okay. We shouldn't force them to have to enjoy it all now, especially if they Absolutely. are enjoying other fruits and other vegetables. Like, focus on that. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely. And when it comes to, you know, maybe needing more support or um, needing more intervention, it's really about is your child eating foods from all of the food groups? Mm. If they are, you're probably doing a great job. And if not, you might need some support and that's okay too. It doesn't mean you're doing a bad job. Um, But yeah, the food groups is definitely key. So if you're ticking off a category in all of the food groups, you're doing great. Yeah. And I also think that's another thing to think about is does any of your advice change for families that have children with like additional needs? Like whether yeah. that is so like we, processing issues or something yeah. else? Yeah. So we um, are very much advocates for a multidisciplinary approach in this instance, um, but we do support families through this. So some of the keys when it comes to sensory processing is food chaining um, which what this this means is kind of similar to what I mentioned before about whatever your goal is you really need to break it up for a child who is um, you know maybe struggling with their sensory processing or they're finding uh, they're, they're having a more heightened sensory response to the meal times um, so you might bring it right back so say for example you want to go from chicken nuggets to chicken breast you might have to move slowly through that finding foods that are really similar and just changing one element at a time so whether you change the color the um, you know the taste the one thing one sensory thing at a time um, the other thing is I think a lot of people overlook this but for children who are really struggling with sensory processing at mealtimes actually sitting correctly at a mealtime mm-hmm. is so important. Um, so we really talk about the 90-90-90, which is your feet flat on the ground at a 90-degree angle, hips at a 90-degree angle, and your knees at a 90-degree angle. And if you need to, you might need to prop a pillow behind your child's back to have them sitting up straight. Um, you might even need to make a makeshift um, little footrest for them, so whether it's a box, like a cardboard box. Um, but I think a lot of families overlook the sitting part of the meal time. That's a really good um, tip. I, I had never considered that. Because so much um, focus goes into stabilizing yourself when you're eating. So if you're focused on swinging your legs, if you've ever sat as an adult at a bar stool, you'll know what I mean, like yeah. how hard it is to concentrate yeah. when you can't touch the ground. <laughs> like you're so focused on your legs and your balance that so it's really true. tricky to focus. Yeah, so for our kids... Um, this is it's so overlooked and it's definitely one thing that's really key, particularly for little ones who mm-hmm. are struggling yeah, with that sensory processing um, and a consistent routine. So keeping everything else about mealtimes as consistent as possible. Um, so you might, you know, same space, same plate, like everything is consistent as possible and you might even put those new foods on a separate plate it depends on where your little mm-hmm. one's at um but yeah working with like an occupational therapist or a speech pathologist alongside someone to support you through mealtimes can be helpful as well so yeah you're not alone but mm, yeah those are excellent tips thank you I'm like 
thinking, I'm like, hmm, what boxes can I use now to put under the, the table? And actually something I I've been doing recently even is um, like if the kids are – like uh, my kids are pretty good. So if I give them something I know they're going to eat anyway, I'll sit yeah. at their little table. And so I'm yes. thinking like yeah. that's probably a different experience because – it's not like my two-year-old who, you know, the table's like here to his eyes. Yes. Yeah. Like we've got anything. pillows. You can actually sit. Yeah. We've got yeah. 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 propped pillows everywhere. And I find my kids actually eat when it's warmer. Um, they're more likely to sit rather than get up and down if they're eating mm. at the outside table because it is more supported and it's lower to the ground compared to our dining table. So taking note of that, like it's sometimes – in meal times, it really is those subtle, subtle yeah. changes that More can make about, such a big impact all the time. No. It's about everything. No, else it really isn't. In the yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Distractions. TV is a big one, and I know it's really hard for families because you get into a habit, mm. and it's a really tricky one to break. Um, but yeah, distractions is another one that comes up often as well. Mm. Um, just a quick reminder for anyone that's watching this live or watching as a replay: if you have any questions for Chrissy, make sure you them in the comments below because we can either answer them now while we're live or we'll make sure to come back and check later to make sure we haven't missed any questions um otherwise we're going to be pretty much ending it if we don't have any questions coming through so is there any other other final tips or advice um maybe for parents to stay calm during these challenges or any of your wisdom you'd like to share Definitely. I probably have two key ones that I haven't covered. Um, one would be using language to support you through the mealtimes because sometimes when we focus so heavily on what a child is or isn't eating, it can be really stressful for mm-hmm. us. Um, but if we shift to the focus, so if you are having those family meals, shifting it to either setting your child up as the detective of their meals, so asking them questions about what you've served. So, oh, that's a pea. Like, do you think it's squishy or do you think it's hard? What sound do you think it's going to make when you bite it? Um, Questions like that really takes the focus off the pressure to eat Mm -hmm. and instead just on exploring food, which is a really positive step if your child just touches a food. It's a a win in my books. Um, And then the other questions you can ask are just completely unrelated to mealtimes. So you could ask, you know, what was your favorite thing to do today? Um, What did you find hard today? Um, what was something kind you did for someone else today? They're the questions that we run through mm. in our family and we all take turns. And the final thing is if meal times are feeling really hard and you are struggling and everyone is, you know, everyone's feeling heightened and stressed, a mealtime break. It is key. It is one of the most successful tools that we certainly hear back from families who have our programs is taking a break. So put the food in a place where it's safe, whether it's in the fridge or the oven or wherever it needs to be stored to keep it food safe. Carry on with your routine. Go and have those showers. Mm. Get the kids in the PJs. And then re-offer that same food 15 to half an hour, um, so 15 to 30 minutes later. And I can't tell you the amount of times like parents report back and say, oh, my gosh, they ate like almost all of their meal mm. after having that break. That's and so sometimes good. it's as simple as that. Just take a break and come back. Yeah. That's like a form of regulating yourself, right? Like yeah. not only are you regulating yourself as a parent, but you're teaching your children that skill as well, especially when it comes to something so stressful. And I'm sure yeah. that other things come into play with it. Like if you're someone that has a history or are currently struggling with an eating disorder, then we also yeah. need to be aware of other things that are influencing us in that moment. Or yeah. perhaps we grew up in a household where you had to finish every single thing so on your plate. Common. And so yeah. we're constantly challenging yeah. 
you know, that narrative that we grew up with. Yeah. Kind of like reparenting yourself in the meal space. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Like saying it's okay if they don't eat everything yeah. and quickly running through that checklist in your mind, you know, what's that their day as a whole looked like? Is it, yeah. you know, yeah, I'm like, like, do I really need to be worried yeah, right exactly. now? Are they just it's telling like, me that they're battle. listening to their yeah 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 it's like Absolutely. why is it so important to me right now like what's the story that I'm telling myself and my go-to things for mealtime success pretty much is getting them in the kitchen with me I learned long yeah. ago to let go of the mess because mess can be cleaned up yeah. <laughs> and like yeah. they are so excited to like wash the carrots before we eat it and yeah they just love being there all tipping like the flour in if we're baking something it's no big Absolutely. deal I even just had my kids sit on like the bench they just want to watch. Yeah, um, absolutely. And um, like if my, my kids still ask me to feed them sometimes, especially my four-year-old, because you know how sometimes they can revert back to yeah, um, like wanting to be babied when the new baby arrives. Yeah. And As, I was fine yeah, with especially. that. I was like, this isn't harming yeah. anyone. Who cares if I if she's yeah. asking me to do like zebra? By the way, no idea yeah. what noise the zebra makes, so I just feel like a weird horse <laughs> noise as I feed her. And then it's, like, made it fun. Yeah. And then we're, like, laughing and we're connecting. And, and she's enjoying the food. And I, I, it's not in a forcing way. Like, it's still her choice. Yeah. She just wants me to do it. And now my two-year-old will go and, like, feed That's himself so horsey style. <laughs> and it's just a way to make it That's fun so and not cute. stressful for anyone. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's mm. so key. And I think sometimes, yeah, just – sometimes as well the meal times are the time where your child gets that one-on-one attention yeah. from you as yeah. well and they might do that in a negative way which is the challenging behaviors mm. and sometimes yeah recognizing that and you know how can I provide some attention some some families even um five minutes before a meal particularly with a new baby if you've got five minutes before meal time and you've got a new baby and you've got a toddler if you can just spend five minutes with your toddler on a one-on-one activity mm. jump into meal time you may find that there's also improvements as well yeah, so that's a really good tip yeah. thank you yeah. so much for coming on you're so welcome to us today about it when um the people that joined had uh like basically we're talking about their concerns and it was just like list after list yeah. fussy eaters. So it was definitely yeah. a much needed live. And so, um, yeah, we'll probably see a lot more comments come back after this. Absolutely. But, I'm happy to yeah. answer them. Thank you so much to everyone that's watching this live. Thank you again, Chrissy. And can you Thank tell you. everyone watching where to find you for more? Yeah, for sure. I'm definitely over on Instagram. Her.nourished is like my main page. But if you need anything related to food, recipes, and just little snippets of tips, um, Her Nourished Kids on Instagram is a free resource there for you to use. So everything is free and you can access it at any time. So super easy. Thank you so much, Chrissy. You're so welcome. Bye. Bye. <laughs>